bow for prayer for Todd. Father, we thank you for Todd. We thank you for his faithfulness in serving you, his willingness to work tirelessly to um, bring about the gospel, to, to care for others, to teach us, to inform us, to just love us. And we thank you for Todd. And I ask this morning that your spirit be with him as he brings a message. I pray that we, as a congregation, can hear what word you have for us this morning. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. Anybody know what this is? Recognize one of these? Got a, a road atlas, right? They probably, as you can see, 2012, that's probably even old for that time of... We don't use them. Most of the time we go to our phones, I guess. But I was thinking about this. If We'll flip to New York. That's where we're at. So we got a map of New York, and this is northern New York, and obviously you can't read it from there. But on it is all the roads, the highways, everything, the towns. But my point is, and I can remember doing this, I think we even had to do it in high school or in school at some point, probably not high school. Um, but you had to pick a destination and you had to map out a route to get to that destination. And I want that to get in your mind this morning. If you wanted to say, come down here and visit Birdsall. Anybody been there? Birdsall, down here. And we live up here. You would map out a route, and a lot of times you'd highlight the route you wanted to take. But here's the thing. Once you have your destination, there is a variety of ways you can get to that destination. Like every one of us here could decide, I want to go to Birdsdale, or whatever I called it. And every one of us could take a different route, a different road. Some may take longer, some may be shorter, some may be the highways, some may be the back roads. And the point of this is, when you have a destination, you also need a way to get there. You need a means to get to the destination. You need a road to get to the destination. And I called the message this morning, calling is the road, purpose is the destination. And I want us to, th we're going to look at calling and purpose this morning. It's, I guess, maybe a New Year's message. Um, I do want to say, too, next week the leadership team is going to be sharing um, Bruce, Matt, and Daryl each, and I think a little bit just of what God's put on their heart for us as a church moving forward, and then I think we're going to maybe be in Hebrews 11 after that for a while. But I wanted to get our minds going as we start a new year. There's something good about a new year, and I've never really done New Year's resolutions necessarily or any of that stuff, but even the word new, there's something good about the word new. We like things to be new. We even do things. I, I thought about we just redid the bathroom upstairs, which was you know a new vanity and painting the walls. But there was something about making it new that, not that it was like this super exciting time now to take a shower, but at the same time, there was something nice about it. It was good. There was some energy there. Or if you ever rearrange your you know, bedroom or your living room and just moving the furniture can kind of bring like a sense of, oh, this is nice. Like I enjoy being in here where I've maybe forgot or... You know, a new you know, if your football team's not doing well, it's like you look forward to the new season when you can kind of start over or the next game, a new year. You know, not that we've got to make this huge deal, but there's something nice, there's something in us as humans where we like things to be new. We like fresh starts. So I think it's good to even stop the last day of 2023, kind of be like, okay, we have a new year coming, even individually, but also as a church. And I want to look at, purpose and calling this morning. 
I just, at the beginning, I want to look at the difference, I guess, between purpose and calling. And this triggered Brandon. I was talking to him one day, and I guess we were texting, and I asked him if he had any ideas of what I should preach on. So <laughs> that's how spiritual I am. I, no. I do pray about it. But he had mentioned something about purpose and calling. I just started thinking about them. and like, are they the same thing? Are they different? And I suppose depending on how you use the words, I don't want to argue about that. Um, the way I'm going to present it this morning is they are a little bit different. And I think you'll get the principle of, of what I'm saying. But the idea that purpose is the destination. So again, remember the map. So our purpose is where we want to go. And our calling is how we get to our purpose. So that's where I'm coming from. And I believe very clearly in the Word of God, and I'm going to go through a bunch of scriptures. If you wanted to turn to Ephesians 4, that was kind of the key verse that, verses that kind of got my mind going on all this. But I just want to show you very clearly from scripture what our purpose is, what our destination is. Do not withhold, bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And that's about as clear and black as white as you can get of why we were created. Because each one of us is a creature. We've been created. God is the creator. So purpose comes from the creator. Like, he makes something for a purpose. The creatures don't get to decide, this is what my purpose is. The same thing if you build something. You build something for a purpose... And I guess if you do it decently, like, that's what its purpose is. It doesn't decide what its purpose is after you've built it. If I built it, maybe, <laughs> it was supposed to be that, but it works better for this. So God gets to decide our purpose. And I think we even have to settle that at the beginning. Just, and I, I think most of you have, but God gets to decide what our purpose is. And very clearly, whom I created for my glory. We were created for the glory of God. It says it a little bit different in Colossians. This is talking about Jesus. For by Jesus, all things were created. So we fit into that, right? All things. We were created by Jesus, by God in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So it doesn't use the word glory, but we were created for him, which I think in that carries the idea we were created for his glory, for his purpose. This one I'm sure we've really enjoyed the last couple of weeks celebrating Christmas. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do is meant to be done for the glory of God. And maybe, well, I'm going to wait till after today. I got prime rib dinner coming. Um, I'll do it for the glory of God for sure. <laughs> I guess I was thinking maybe for a week or two I need to not eat for the glory of God and <laughs> get some things back in line. Anyway, one more. You are the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Everything we are to do is we're to do it in a way that even other people will then glorify God. So I think the purpose is, is pretty clear, and you, it's just saturated throughout the Bible. We were created for the glory of God. God is about his glory. I do want to say this. I've got to be careful because I could go a long time on this thought, but 
you could get to this point and be like, oh, that's kind of a downer. Everything's about God. It's just about his glory. But here's the thing. Him creating us for his glory is the greatest thing that could have ever happened because the way we glorify God the most is when we enjoy him the most. When we receive his gifts and praise him, he gets glorified. So we receive gifts of love and grace and mercy and help and strength and courage. We receive that from God and then we thank him and praise him for those gifts. When you're with somebody, there's no greater way than to glorify them or honor them than to enjoy being in their presence. And this is an amazing, and amazing truth that we were created to enjoy God forever. And this is an original with me. This goes way back to some catechism. I don't remember what it is, but the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think they're exactly right. We glorify God by enjoying him, by being amazed at him. I mean, we sing, oh, praise the name. Did that not just overwhelm you and just be like, I just want to do this forever. I just want to praise him. I want to glorify him because he saved me. He bled on the cross for me. And just to live in that, enjoy that, his smile at you, his delight in you. So this is not a downer that God's all about his glory. It's the most amazing thing that he's chosen humanity to have the purpose of glorifying him by enjoying him forever. Christianity isn't a downer. That's why I wonder sometimes, why do we sing like we do? Like, I'm sorry, guy. I mean, sometimes you got to put our finger on things that maybe make us squirm. We're not even close. <laughs> Aaron mentioned around the throne. I guarantee you they're not standing around the throne like this. I'm throwing myself under the bus there too. But, and I'm not talking about let's get weird and all that. But I'm saying, like, recognize Christianity is about enjoying God. His presence, and even in those times of hurt and loss, again, it's going to be expressed differently, but recognize, enjoy his comfort, live in that comfort. Allow him just to saturate you with his love. I don't know where I am anymore. But to accomplish this purpose, right, we'll go back to the map. So I believe our purpose, our destination for every one of us we were created for the glory of God, and we do that by enjoying him. That's, I believe, our destination. And you could probably use a different word. That's what we are created for. That is our ultimate purpose, to glorify God forever by enjoying him. And that's things like worship and praise and the way we live and the way we do our relationships. All of that is for the glory of God. That's our destination. So how do we get there? And I believe that's our calling. Our calling is the road we get to our purpose. And as I said on the map, there's different ways to get to our def destination. Each one of us has a different calling on our life, a different way we express or get to that purpose of glorifying God. Calling is the road you take to get to purpose. Purpose is the destination. In Christ, we all have the same destination, God's glory, but we have uniquely different roads to get to this destination. That's our calling. Do one more verse here. I glorified, this is Jesus. I glorified you on earth. So again, that's the destination, right? That's the purpose. That was even Jesus Christ's purpose was to glorify the Father. And he said, I glorified you on earth. How? Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. In other words, by 
living out the calling that you gave me to do, walking the path that you gave me to do, which was, for Jesus, it was a path to the cross. And we're going to come back to this at the end, I think. But again, we see that principle that there was a destination, a purpose, to glorify God. And the way Jesus accomplished that was by doing all of the work that God had given, the calling that, G- that Jesus had. So I'm going to look at calling for a minute. Now this is Ephesians 4. So all of us have the same purpose, to glorify God. I believe by enjoying Him, worshiping Him, receiving His gifts. So Ephesians 4, I'm going to read 1 through 3. 1 through 3, or 1, 2, 3, either way. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And specifically there what we have underlined, worthy of the calling. He says, I urge you, I plead with you. Some say, I beg you to live a life, the one life that you have. I urge you to live it worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I think there's a sense of Paul pleading with them, begging them, use your life worthy of this calling. I think when we think about this, if you own it, if you recognize that you've been genuinely set apart by God, gifted by God, called by God to make a difference, that you have a calling, a divine calling on your life that could put a little weight on your day today. If you think about it, God has a calling, a road, a a path to his glory on your life right now. Young adults, old adults, young children, a divine calling on your life. And if you sit there and think, okay, God has a divine purpose, calling, way that he's created me that I can glorify him. The reason I say it could put some weight on us is because you could start thinking, well, what if I miss my calling? What if I was supposed to go to college instead of work? What if I was supposed to work instead of go to college? What if I was supposed to take that job and not this job? What if I was supposed to live in that area and not this area? What if I was supposed to go to that church and not this church? Again, if we recognize that we have a call of God on our lives, it could easily become this weight of what if I missed the call of God on my life. And I want to show you three things from Scripture. Specifically, I think that tell us, that help us with this, that I think even alleviate some of that weight. Some of that weight is good. We need to wake up every morning and say, God has a purpose to glorify him and he's got a calling on my life, a way to do that. That is a weight of glory on us that's good, but it doesn't have to be this overwhelming burden. It actually becomes a joy. And I think, at least for me, these three things kind of help me and you need to go in order. And I believe they're scriptural, so we're going to get in the scripture. And Evie said she brought her Bible today to make sure what I said was accurate, so that's good. And she's what? Six, we all should be doing that. Bring your Bibles and make sure what I say 
is in there, and you can come and talk to me if it's not. I've screwed up before, but. So thank you, Evie, wherever you are, for doing that. She's like, I'm hiding now. So three things that I believe Scripture specifically tells us that we're called to, and I believe this is the, it needs to be this order to it. And the first one is that God calls you to salvation. That God calls you to salvation. God, the first thing he does is he calls you to himself. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14, but we ought always to give thanks, praise God, glorify God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you, called you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you, through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus. Pretty clear there that he called us to salvation and that's the path to glorifying him. So the first thing is he calls us to salvation. Calls us to himself. So before we even need to worry about what God has called you to do with your life, what career, what relationship, what location, before you even worry about that, have you received the call of salvation on your life? Have you believed in the Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because before that, the rest of it, you could do all the humanitarian things you want. The reality is they don't really glorify God. They glorify you. It has to start with this call of salvation. That, and again, let this be good news on you. God calls you to salvation. He calls you to himself. That is your calling to be a son or daughter of God Almighty. And just in case there's anyone here who thinks there's no way God would call me to be saved. I'm not worthy of this call. I'm not good enough for this call. There's no way God would call me, choose me to be his son or daughter. And I would say, you're right. There's no one in this room that's worthy to be called to salvation. There's no one in this room that is good enough to be called to God, to be called to be a son or daughter. This calling is complete grace. It's completely free. It's not based on any of our merit or any of our worth or value that we have in our own eyes. The gospel is a free gift of salvation. So I don't care how dark your past is. I don't care what stuff you're coming out of. He is calling you to salvation if you have not received him as your Lord and Savior. And this is really, really good news. This is a call to all of humanity, a call to salvation. And he calls us to be transformed by his grace. How much time we got? You guys good? Did that make you nervous when I just said that? <laughs> You'll be all right, Eric. I was thinking about this. Don't let this, because I believe most of us here are born-again believers, filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't let this first call become old news. Like, yeah, I'm safe. Okay. God called you to himself. I like what Paul, I'll just be quick here, but he says, for consider your calling. In other words, remember it, reflect on it, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many 
were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. And again, I just think it's good to, to remember your calling. And I think Paul's being kind here when he says not many. I think he could have said none of you in the grand scheme of things are really that smart or that great or that powerful or that anything. He's like, but I called you. And again, this has nothing to do with our value in our own eyes or our success or what we haven't done. He calls people like me, the, I fit every one of them. Foolish. Remember when we were called to salvation. I like the saying, I think it's been around for a while, God doesn't call the prepared, God prepares the called. And again, that's a relief. It's like, okay, it's not based on me. He calls me and then he will prepare me. He will shape me and use me. All right, number two. So again, the purpose is the glory of God to enjoy him. The first calling is salvation. You can't bypass that one and go to number two or three. You must be born again. Number two is he calls you to be holy. And this one really got a hold of me. It was like, okay. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And what's that purpose he gave us in Christ? Again, I believe it's to glorify him by enjoying him forever. But he called us to a holy calling. And notice Paul doesn't say he called you to and then start listing certain careers or certain relationships he wants you to be in and all these detailed things. He says, I called you to a holy life. That word holy means set apart. In other words, he's called you to life that's set apart for him. It's a holy life. It's a sanctified life. It's a life becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And he calls us to that. He's saying, I'm calling you to a holy life. Now that you're born again, I might have this up there, yeah. Calling is about who you are before it is about what you do. Calling is about who you are before it's about what you do. We've been called, the who we've been called to be is holy, set apart for him, being sanctified. You can't skip this one either. And I think this is the one where we too often want to jump over this one to get to number three. Yes, I've been born again, but now what do I got to do? Just tell me what I got to do. Tell me what college I got to go to. Tell me what person I'm supposed to marry. Tell me what church I got to go to. Tell me what location I got to live in. I really believe this one, a call to a holy life as as believers, this is the one where we need to live in. I'll probably get to more of that in a minute. Again, this called to a holy life. It's a life set apart. In other words, we don't 
look like the world. We don't act like the world. We don't think like the world. We don't behave like the world. We're not driven by the things the world has driven apart. Our life is set apart for him. It's driven by the word of God. It's driven by being obedient to what God calls us to, what he commands of us in the Bible. And it is, again, I I just, because I know I struggle in this, so I'm just going to throw you all in the same boat with me, but it's just interesting to me that the Bible, I don't think, ever really talks about your calling as far as for a career or even the details of who you're supposed to marry or what these things that we can get so caught up in, like what job you're supposed to have, what house you're supposed to live in. The Bible, and God could have. God, it's God. He's infinite. He somehow could have easily put all the details every one of us needed in his word so we could just wake up every day and say, okay, December 31st, 2023, this is what I'm supposed to wear. This is who I should say hi to. This is, you know, he could have done that. He's God. But he didn't. The word he gave us didn't have all those details. But there's a lot of emphasis on who he calls us to be. And he calls us to be holy, to be set apart. Okay, number three. This is where we get into maybe the do more. He calls every single one of us to service. That he does call each one of us to serve. He does give each one of us unique giftings, unique personalities, unique desires, things we're good at. He does do that and he does give us a calling to use them for his glory, for his service, for the building of his kingdom, for the encouragement and the equipment of the body of Christ. A couple verses, in case you don't believe me. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, again, that every born-again believer, each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Again, the gifts are a grace. It's not because of your amazing skills. Even our natural gifts are grace of God. But he's saying, I'm giving each one of you gifts. Use them to serve one another. Use them for the common good. I think times these gifts can be very specific and times they can be very broad. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, so again, you can't find much that doesn't fit into there. Whatever you do. It's kind of the same like whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it, do everything in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again, it's everything we need, we do whether it's our mouths or our actions, it's doing it to Jesus for the glory of Jesus. And in all of it, giving thanks, glorifying God the Father through him, recognizing that it's all grace. It's all about him. And again, I'm pretty sure at this point, we still want to know, so what's my calling to serve? What exactly is it? What exactly are the good works that God called me to do? What exactly are the spiritual gifts that he's given me to do? Like, can you please tell me what exactly they are? That, and I actually struggled putting this message because I just wanted to, like, okay, how can I tell everybody what they got to do today? And I kept getting 
steered back to one and two. Like first, make sure you're born again. It don't matter what you do if you're not, you're not glorifying God. But then I just, I'll say this, I guess as succinctly as I can, but we can take all the aptitude tests and spiritual tests that you want. But if you haven't fully received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that first calling of salvation, if you haven't fully embraced that you've been called to a holy life, a life sanctified, a life obedient to the word of God, then I don't think all the tests in the world are going to matter or amount to anything. I really believe that too often we can spend way too much time and energy trying to figure out that, this third piece. What am I called to do? And way too little time really focused in and working in and striving after who have I been called to be? How can I in this moment live a holy life set apart for God? Moment by moment by moment. Every word. Every step. Every second. Like, if we can get in, we're being saved, we're being sanctified, but continue to pursue that, go after that. How in this moment can I live a life that's set apart for God? And what I found to be true, most of the time, probably all the time, is that when I fully embrace and step into the call to become who God called me to be, holy, set apart, like Jesus, obedient to what I know to be true. When I step into that and embrace it, I find myself doing the things that God has called me to do. That when I pour all of my energy into living a holy life, moment by moment, and I don't do it well or even close to as often as I should, just that intentionality of my life is set apart for Jesus. But when I do that, and when my aim is just focus on what I know he's told me to do, to be holy and set apart, I just find myself doing the things I'm supposed to do. The gifts that are in me, just you find yourself using them. And again, I'm not anti-spiritual tests. I, I think there's probably some value in there where they can stir some things up in you or help you recognize some things. But if we're living a holy life, And a lot of that is, it's the spiritual discipline. So it's getting in the word of God. How has he told me to be set apart? The commands, the things we don't like reading because it's like, "Ah, I don't want to be told what to do. Have you ever thought of this if, yeah, I'm going to be quick. If what I said is true at the beginning, that our purpose is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And I believe biblically I showed you that it is. Then when we see commands in the Bible, even logic or common sense says those commands must be there so that I can enjoy God. They're not duty of do this and don't do this so you can be a Christian. Because that's just burden, that's just legalism. That's garbage. But when we recognize, when he says forgive, that when you step into that, even when your flesh is don't do it, all of a sudden you start enjoying the presence of God in a way, you start enjoying the forgiveness of God in your own heart in ways you never have. 
When the Bible says it's better to give than receive, and you stop being stingy, and you start pouring in financially, time, gifts, whatever it is, all of a sudden, joy builds in your heart. Like these commands are God's love and grace to us saying, if you do these, you will enjoy me more. You will know me more. But what keeps us from being obedient to that call? What keeps us from being obedient to that call of living a holy life? I'll be personal. What keeps me from being obedient to my calling to live a holy life, a sanctified life? I do. My desires do. My wants do. My selfishness does. That's why he calls us, every one of us, pick up your cross daily. Die to yourself. Step into the calling I have for you to glorify me, and you will find yourself doing the very things he called you to do. And you'll be doing them with a joy that I think might even surprise you. He must increase and I must decrease. If I truly want to glorify God, I must die to my own desires and wants and step into the calling he has for me. John 17, 4 again, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. That involved the cross. And God's called each one of you, each one of you that are born again believers, that received the call of salvation, he's called you as a chosen instrument to be used by him, to spread the gospel, to spread the love of Jesus. And it might be a, a chosen instrument for your home. It is. It might be for your workplace. It might be for where you're going to school. It might be for your neighbors. And here's the thing. If you step into that calling, it will cost you. It will cost you your desires of your flesh. going to cost you comfort because you're going to have to step out of your comfort. The question is never, do I have a purpose? I can look every one of you in the eyes and say, you were created for a purpose. It's to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Every one of you. It's not, do you have a calling? He's called every one of us to salvation. And even in this moment, if you're like, I want that, it's just a repentance. It's understanding. He just says, call on me, and I'll save you. Like Recognize you've sinned against him. Just say, Father, forgive me, and I'm turning to you, and I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for my sins. He took the punishment I deserved. He rose on the third day. If you believe that, you're saved. And then he calls you to a holy life. So the question is not, do you have a purpose or do you have a calling? The question is, will you receive your calling? Will you step into your calling? Will you join God in what he is doing? I want to end with this, I guess, story. More for us as a body of believers, I think you can certainly apply this individually. 
But again, as we're looking for a new year, and, and I pray this again, that this becomes an exciting message. I hope it is. Um, we're always probably low-key here, and that's all right. But this is an exciting message. If you stop and think about it, God Almighty has a purpose and a call for you to enjoy him forever. Like, I've got a feeling there's other churches there would have been a lot of noise right there. Can I keep poking this? Thank you. There we go. It is amen. Anyway, here we go. I'm starting to drool over the prime rib. I'm not going to lie. Gordon McKenzie, he worked at Hallmark, and along with working there, he would go into schools and do these creative workshops for ele- in elementary schools, so making the Hallmark Christmas cards, all the cards. So he would also go into these schools and do these creative workshops, and he said there was something that he just is consistent no matter what school he went into, but he would go into the, the first grade class, and the first thing he would ask them is, is there any artist in the room? He said in first grade, all of them were just frantically waving their hands. Every one of them was an artist. He'd go to the second grade class, and about half of them would raise their hand. He said by third grade, it was about 10 out of 30 that would raise their hand. And he said by the time you got to sixth grade, you would get one or two that reluctantly, tentatively would raise their hand when he asked, is there any artists? And he said what he saw in school, he called it the suppression of creative genius. He said, they're not doing it on purpose, but society's goal is to make us less foolish. He says, from the cradle to the grave, the pressure is on to be normal. There was a time, perhaps, when you were young, when you had at least a fleeting notion of your own genius and were just waiting for some authority figure to come along and validate it for you. But none ever came. And even for us as a church, we've been a little over a year, and I want to really encourage us, we're stepping into a new year. Is there anything in us, the suppression of creative genius, or where all of a sudden we've kind of settled in and like, let's kind of just be a normal church, and I know we don't probably think of it that way, but where it's kind of like, okay, we got to get comfortable again, and we stop being creative, we stop even maybe being foolish, <clears throat> biblically foolish. There's a lot of foolish things the apostles did in the Bible, really foolish things. I just want to, I don't know, I guess whatever authority I have, say, let's release the creative genius in us for the sake of Jesus to reach this community. I don't want to be a church where it's like, because again, the call to salvation, and yes, the call to be holy, and I think most of our energy needs to be in there, like of focusing on that, but do we suppress the gifts, the creative genius in us, the skills, the talents, even the outside-of-the-box desires, because we need to be normal. What do people think? What are other churches going to think? You know something? I don't care. If we're being biblical and sharing the good news of the gospel, let's be crazy. Because there's some very talented people in here that have some very cool giftings that are the grace of God. But I just want to, even in this moment, say, I just want them released. Reclaim them this year. Whether it's writing or drawing or music or art. 
something that's on my heart right now is a gift of hospitality. Like I just feel there's a couple people that need to hear, reclaim that gift of hospitality. Open your house up. Invite people over. Cook meals for them. That's God's grace to you to share his gospel. I'm done. Can we sing, oh, praise the name, please? <laughs> I got to focus on living a holy life, right? Set apart for God. I, I want to pray for you guys as they're getting ready. I, again, I love being here, and I love that we can come and be ourselves, and I want to keep that going. But remember, our purpose is the glory of God. He's given each one of you a unique calling. Receive that call of salvation. Step into that call to live a holy life, and you'll find yourself doing everything he's called you to do. And I'm okay if we're not normal. Let's be creative. Let's reach this community with the gospel. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for each one here. And it is just a blessing to be here, Father. I thank you. I just ask that you would continue to call people in this community to salvation. I pray that this place, Father, would be a place where many, 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 many people are born again. Bring them here, Father. Bring them in front of the people here, that they would have opportunities to love them and share the gospel. And Father, for all those born again here, I pray we would step in to that calling to be holy with new enthusiasm, with new joy, knowing that it's in that stepping into that calling to be holy and set apart that we start enjoying you more in ways that we've never experienced. Even in, in the tough times of life, we'll be filled with joy. And Father, I also pray you would release the gifts that you've given us, release the creativity that you've given us, that we would stay biblical, we would stay truthful, Father, but we would turn this community over with, with the gospel. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I kind of feel like we just punched Satan in the face. That's what I feel like. Thank you, George. I just encourage it. Like, that's a new year. Let's share the gospel. Love people like you've never loved them before. Look for ways to serve. Let's pour it. Let's be holy. Set apart. Amen. Father, bless each one here. I pray that we have an awesome day. You would fill them with joy and peace, comfort, Father. I pray you give them rest. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you, and I love you guys.